This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. We're talking exit interviews. You know, some shop owners do them religiously, and some don't want to face the music, and some don't know what to do in an exit interview. It's a smart time not to burn a bridge, and is there a format to follow? We're going to attempt to answer these questions and a whole lot more in today's Town Hall Academy. Carm Capriato here from the Aftermarket Radio Network. You know, we're always focused on wide-ranging information presented to help you set direction and goals for you and your business. You can learn a lot about you and your company today in Exit Interviews. Hey, thanks to our partner, Shopware, for providing you this episode. Hey, are you using the best innovative shop management system in the country? Well, why make life harder for you? Shopware stays one step ahead of everyone else by listening to shops and solving problems fast. On the web, see my friends at GetShopware.com. Matt Fonslow. Hi, Matt. Hello. Nice to see you, sir. Uh, shop manager, lead diagnostician, Riverside Automotive, Red Wing, Minnesota. And from the Aftermarket Radio Network podcast, Matt Fonslow diagnosing the aftermarket A to Z. Matt, you're doing such an incredible job with all those shows. You know, tr- trust me, I-, I know what some of the future episodes are going to be. And, you know, this guy c- continues to push the envelope. So uh, good stuff, Matt. Thank you. Chris Cotton is with us. Coach Chris Cotton from Auto Fix Auto Shop Coaching and the Chris Cotton Weekly Blitz podcast on the Aftermarket Radio Network. I'm uh, taking a look at what's coming up next week, uh, how to be coachable. That's really cool, Chris. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I think we're doing some good stuff. I don't know. You know, I've got I'm into this leadership gold book. Um, I pulled out some own old notes. That seems to be a hot, hot button topic w- with uh, shop owners. So I'm going through that chapter by chapter for 26 weeks. We're going to, you know, play that out and see, see how that goes. You know what I love about it? You can read the book, you know, find the time to read. If you're, if you're a daily reader, that's great. And if not, Chris going to walk you through that book. And of course, the th- cool thing about Chris is he always gives his particular point of view from an aftermarket and a coaching and a leadership perspective. So always some great things to learn there. And uh, and again, thank you both for being on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Look, at we're going to talk about exit interviews at the, in, in the importance of them. And uh, I love the perspective that Matt would have and in both Chris, you know, having Chris been in the shop business his whole life now he's coaching and of course matt of course matt from you know the shop manager perspective i'm sure you've got some more stories to tell us there chris does the company have to have a formal policy uh absolutely if they want to do it right like like you can you can do it one way this time a different way the next time and a, a third way the third time but you know what we know in auto repair shops that works is anytime you have a policy and procedure for for anything, it it streamlines the whole process and makes everything go good. So absolutely, you should have an exit interview policy and procedure. You know, the same questions every time, the same person doing it. Like, why not? Like, why, why would you not want that in your business? Or why would you not do that in your shop? How hard is it to coach owners to try to stick to the plan? Well, it's difficult to hold to get owners to stick to any plan, right? But, but definitely this. Um, a lot of time they get they're too emotionally invested in it, and you have to coach them into, you know, having that emotional balance where it's not about you. It's you know, you're not pointing any fingers, you're not pointing any blame. You're just trying to get to the root cause of 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 some of the issues, and if you go into it 
and you're going to be emotionally charged, then it's not going to do anybody any good because eventually everybody's temperatures are going to rise. And one of my episodes, I think it was episode 16, was are you a thermostat or a thermometer? This goes right into that. Yeah. Like, like, can you be level-headed and take criticism? And then two, that goes into some of the stuff I'm talking about in the Are You Coachable and the Leadership Gold Book. I mean, this is this is a people ask me all the time how to be a leader. Being unemotional is part of it, or at least being able to separate. Yeah, type A personalities, Matt, uh, is sometimes it's very tough to have them sit on their hands and just listen. And to me, y- y- you probably got to be prepared to hear something you don't want to hear, but it's really difficult not to reply. So is listening the tantamount most important thing? Oh, by far. I mean, the point of it is data mining or data gathering. That's That's the point of doing it. You shouldn't be in there trying to rectify anything, at least not primarily. If there's a genuine misunderstanding where, you know, that's you're at that point uh, where you're parting ways, of course, try to clear that up as best you can. If you can't, like Chris said, though, you got to try to check your ego and your uh, emotions at the door. Not saying you have to be a robot in there, but I think if your intent is there to gather data, what can I get from this and what can I learn to improve the shop, be it processes or culture? Because that's that's the whole point of this is uh, they're leaving and we'll just pick we'll just say for a scenario they're quitting. They say a lot of people quit not because of the job, but because of management. Well, here is your here's the input you need to figure that out. What happened? What can I change to make this a better place to work? Because competitiveness uh, for talent is going to continue to rise. So money and benefits, really important. Shop culture, that work environment is going to become more and more and more important. That's how you're going to separate yourself from everyone else. Well, where are you going to get the info? You gather it from the people that are leaving. You're going to find out things that maybe your ego won't let you accept, Chris. But do do you coach companies to say, look at, uh, you, you may be a little upset about what you heard. Uh, you may go to your general manager, you may go to the wife, you may take it home for a night, day or two. And then you, if, if you put it on the shelf, you're not doing your company any good. What's the process of, of how to deal with what you find found out? And if it's critical, how to make changes? So to go back to Matt's point just a minute ago, like my old coach, always told me, Chris, if we track and measure things, we can change it or improve it. So, you know, just like everything we do in the business, we track and measure, and this is the tracking and measuring technique, right? And if you, if you think of this in terms of a marketing tool, this is a retention tool, not acquisition, right? So you're, so you're taking the information that you're given And basically, you need to sit and talk to yourself and say, how do I not screw this up for the next employee that wants to leave? How do I how do I make it better for all the employees that are currently here and able to retain them? Recruiting is so expensive, especially if you're you're hiring like a headhunter and other people. Uh, Matt said something uh, probably that is the tantamount um, uh, label of of this show, and that is that uh, people leave people, not companies. It's probably pretty tough as the leader of the business to hear something like that. Chris and Matt, please chime in. Should the individual inter- exit interview with 
the next level up in leadership? Maybe there's an owner, maybe there's a shop manager. Should they interview with their direct report? How does that, uh, what would you guys recommend? You might have to put your feelers out a little bit. And it depends on the size of the company, right? I mean, if it's a small shop and you've essentially the owner is very much working within the shop as the main manager, then, then they're probably the one going to be doing it. Um, I think uh, one idea is, is if you are kind of the top of the chain or close to the top of the chain and you're kind of always telling your people you have this open door policy, but when it comes to the exit interview and they do not want to talk to you, you might want to rephrase or really check out, do you really have an open door policy? Because <laughs> if they can't talk to you, that's probably why they're leaving anyways, or one of the things that led to it. But now to expect them to come in there and try to level with you about, you know, why are they leaving? And then more, I think even more importantly is what could we do to improve the situation? What could we do to improve the shop? When you were talking a little bit earlier there, I was thinking kind of sports and um, teams. Like when the going's good, they're winning. It'd be hard-pressed to get any players – or coaches to say like, yeah, well, we, but we got a problem here and a problem here and a problem there. It's like winning is a salve for everything. And then when they start losing, that's when all these issues start becoming big issues and contributors to the, the failings. I think this, it's a similar situation in a shop where if things look like they're going too good, everybody, including the employees, are overlooking issues. So that's why I think it's important when you do have someone part in ways, they have a different perspective, they can give you insight that the others can't. And I want to go back to that, to the other question, but to, to carry on what Matt said, I think maybe to put it into, into terms a little bit different or paint a picture, I've been worried thinking about the, this recession, we're going to, in the next year, it's going to get worse, right? Like, like I can tell you that gas prices go up, car counts go down, People get tied on money. They can't pay for repair bills. But if we think about that in terms of what Matt just said, everybody's got more hours than they can turn. We got cars waiting on the lot. First thing that happens when we run out of cars is technicians get worried about their billable hours, things like that. And then that's when all the other stuff comes out. They don't know. They may or may not know how to vent about the billable hours, but they'll sit in their little groups and start chirping amongst themselves. And then they'll come at you with a hundred different things, right? I wanted to say that. Now, to go back to the other question that we had, if at all possible, it shouldn't be your direct report. Like you shouldn't go to to your direct report and have that conversation, mainly because most people are not going to be able to take the emotion out of it. It's going to be a he said, they said, she said, deflecting all the time, and you're going to get down the rabbit hole. So it's not my preferred message or method, but if you're in a smaller company, maybe you have like a Google form that you set up that you can send to the person and be like, look, please be honest with me. And then if you have a way to capture a video, be like, fill out this form as honestly as possible. I get it. If you, if you don't feel like you can talk to me and then just film a a three to five minute video of you talking about things like you were talking to me, just you and the video one-on-one, if at all possible, And you can hire like an outside HR firm to do that for you. And I'm sure there's some out there that would do an exit interview for you. Then I would do that as well, if at all possible. I'm surprised that you said that. I'm I'm kind of taken aback. That's a really good idea. A form? Really, man? Yeah. The same form. It's amazing, right? Like, like it's part of the process. I mean, I like in a perfect world, I would want everybody to be 
live in person doing it. But I get with the egos and everything why why that doesn't work with some. But body language is so important. That's why I said the video. Because yeah. I think you could get, like if you get a one-sided person where it's not heated, I think you'd be able to watch that video and tell a lot by that video. And so it's just another way to do it. Like obviously, always my first would be in person. But some people just aren't cut out for it. Like, like I've worked for people before that their blood is boiling all the time anyway, let alone you get them in a room and, and somebody asks you like, well, hey, how was my management style? And, and you're like, oh, well, you're the guy that came out and kicked the bucket across the room every five minutes just to keep us all cowering. What do you think that's going to do in that interview? Anyway, my two cents. You got three cents, Matt? Well, I just like the idea with the outside if you have to hire somebody to do it. That's a that's a really good idea. Oh, you like the uh, the outside idea, but you don't do you like the form idea? I mean knee jerk, but I don't think Chris particularly likes it either. It's just kind no. of one of those things where, you know, option one and two aren't gonna work. Well, here's option three and then there's you know, an option four. Yeah, so the form is better than nothing, right? Like like if I had if I have to grade it and go A, B, C, D, E is thanks for working here and you're out the door, you know, like D is let's do a form and that, and then go from there. I sit down with the individuals. Really sorry to hear that you're leaving. I really need to sit with you. You know, you got to give me 10 minutes. Uh, you know, I just want to do an exit interview. I don't, you don't say the words, look, I, uh, I really want to find out why you're leaving. Cause you're not probably going to get a right answer. You could discover that answer during the exit interview. If the questions are formulated, right. But I would say that anyone, and I've done enough of these in my life too, to realize and recognize this is nothing but an opportunity to improve the company and not to burn a bridge. Well, and I think a key part of it, too, and maybe in that statement is, is, look, I'm sorry it didn't work out. I wish you would have stayed here. And some people leave for great reasons, like their like their dream was to write software for a gaming company or something like that. And they got their dream job. Sometimes that happens. But instead of making about them or me, make it a, make it about their teammates. Say, hey, you know, we want to improve the company, but we want to improve the company by improving your teammates' lives. How do I do that based on the information you're giving me? Or give me the information I need in order to do that. Yeah, well, you never seem to hold them uh, as accountable as you do me. Well, and that's the thing, right? So so the, the top two reasons that we find on exit interviews that people leave a company is um, employees, they don't know what their future holds. There's no training or a, pl- or, or a lack of one. And the other one is the accountability piece. I have to clarify this because a lot of times when I talk accountability with shop owners, I have to make the statement. It's not you holding that individual um, employee accountable. They want you to hold all the other employees accountable to your handbook. Please say you have a handbook and then everything else. And if you're not holding those employees accountable, the, the one, one person comes in 15 minutes late every day, calls in sick, whatever, it affects the team. And that's the other reason why people leave is because there's like, there's nobody steering the ship. There's nobody holding people accountable. And that's a hard thing for shop owners. Like, like especially technicians turned shop owners is because they're not, they're not people persons, right? The reason why they get underneath the hood of a car is because the car doesn't talk back and it doesn't have feelings and they don't have to worry about upsetting it. But when it comes to holding people accountable, that's the tough stuff, man. That's like, that's like the toughest part of the job. I just think that many people feel 
that this person is not going to tell me how to run my company. You know, when you started in business, did you really think that cars would be driving themselves and that people would be buying cars online without even test driving them? Well, I don't think any of us did. And yet that's exactly what's going on. On the repair side, the auto industry is changing fast. Customers expect quick answers and proof that they need the repairs you recommend. They want to pay you while buying a coffee and then rate you on Yelp after picking up their keys. So why stay in the past? A shop owner named Carolyn asked herself the same question, so she created an online shop management system that automates the stuff you do over and over again. She and her team added texting and every step in the process from booking your appointments to posting that stellar review. They learn from their customers just like you learn from yours. And it's the system that's leading the industry into a bright future. Check it out at GetShopware.com. Can you give us an idea of one question, Matt, or Chris, that you would use? I guess I like open-ended questions that they can go wherever direction they want, to be honest. But, you know, it's can you name X amount of things um, that you view or think could make the shop better, be it the entire shop or your specific position. You know, if you could change one or two things, three things, whatever, whatever number, make, let them come up with the number. Cause I doubt it's, it's, I doubt it's going to be 12 uh, to make the, your position better or easier, uh, whatever, and let them go and listen to it. And like you said, I think the knee-jerk reaction is when somebody starts talking about how to make their position easier, you're kind of like, oh, well, you're lazy, you don't want to work, rather than thinking about, well, if their job's easier, most likely they're going to be more efficient at it and more um, productive, meaning, that's, I mean, of course, build hours, but also just the accuracy will be improved, quality of repair will be improved. And just, I, I guess I really like open-ended questions that uh, I don't want them just nodding yes or no, I want them to go, and start talking, and if they end up on tangents, go for it. Uh, I want to gather as much data as possible. And I would say one of the, like, the question I would ask is like, okay, you know, thank you for taking time to do the interview, whatever else I have to say. And I would I would ask them, now imagine you were in my position, and this is CARMS Auto Repair. What would you do or what would you have done differently to keep you in this position? And then just shut up and take it. Probably the hardest thing for some shop owners to do. Well, we the all, ego. yeah, the ego. And that was the, that's a hard thing for me. And I talk way too much because I get excited about things and I talk and talk. But even coaching, I have to speak 30% of the time and listen 70% of the time. It's really hard to do that. The cool thing about you, Chris, is you admit it often in your podcasts that <laughs> yeah. I, I, I never practice what I preach. It's, well, I try I try awfully hard, right? But yeah. the, there's my brain is spinning so fast, and if I don't release it, then it just explodes someday, right? You just don't want anyone to miss the, the, those those quality uh, things that are synapsing right. in your brain, and you just got to go, go, go. So, team, here's my thought. I'm doing an exit interview, and I just don't want this person to leave. I mean, this is a long-term, great relationship, know the family, help the business grow, top of their craft, doing all the training. I mean, the one that I'm going to have to search for next, just like this person. Do you tell that person in the interview, 
listen, I don't need you to leave. Let's work this out. Or do you just hold the exit interview? I think that probably should have came before the exit interview. Because to me, to me at that point, they're like, like their last day is tomorrow. So you don't take a, you don't take another shot at it. I don't think so. I think you take a shot at it earlier, but if they still said, thanks, no way. And you're at this point, I mean, I take a run at them. Like I would always rather keep somebody rather than go. But here's the thing. Uh, We've had some weird stuff come up in the last several months for technicians that, you know, they, they know what the market is and they're asking for some crazy stuff and we're giving it to them. And once you teach them that you're going to give them whatever they ask for. We had a technician that wanted another $10 an hour. We gave him another $10 an hour. Two weeks later, he's like, I only want to work four days a week. So we switched his work to four days a week. And then guess what? He's making 10 more dollars an hour working four days a week and his productivity went, but we've given him everything he's asked for. So we've done everything we could. Obviously we would always want to keep great employees if there's any way possible. Man, any great story on, uh, forget the exit interview, but let's, let's use this time to, to think of maybe you've, you saved somebody when they, when they came to talk to you. And it's not necessarily, Chris, maybe it's not about money, but it's just about communications, uh, you know, the camaraderie, the culture. Any, any? Before Matt answers that, though, people say it's not about the money, but it always seems to be about the money. Because I've had situations in the last couple of weeks where technicians have come in and be like, the owner's mistreating me. We had a a technician that was um, a certain ethnicity and the guy was making derogatory comments to him about it. And he's like, I want to leave. I want to come to work for you. I heard what a great place this is from your technicians. And so we offered him the job. He took the job. He went back to the guy that he just told us that that he hated and would never work another day for. And the guy's like, I'll give you another $500 a week. And he's like, oh, you know what? I'm going to stay. That happens to you too? Oh, yeah. Like seriously, like all the, I hear it like daily, like you don't even know. (laughs) It's like, it's not, it's not a unique experience. Guys, are you being held hostage or is there some validity to the fact that maybe they were underpaid or something? I think they thought they wanted, you know, better quality life, but somebody threw money at them. And a lot of times, you know, when we're doing interviews to hire people, we ask, why are you wanting to leave? What do you not like about your current job? And they tell them, like, we don't like the working hours. We don't want to work six days a week. We don't want to do this. But then you you put together a plan for them, a pay plan to where they get a great base salary. And then the sky's the limit productivity wise and what they can make. And then they go back and, and then turn in their two weeks notice and you know, unfortunately, we don't really get to download that because they don't ever call or show up or nothing at that point. Like they've accepted a job, they go to turn in their notice, and then we don't ever hear from them again. Uh, even just recently, uh, they were going to leave. They put in their notice, arranging to get their toolbox towed here. And then the shop that mistreated them offered them more money. Now, even though there was an initial pay raise, we have a much higher ceiling. They decided to stay. And I'm sure some of it has to do with comfort and all that. You know, it's amazing. Uh, money covers up a lot, uh, an awful lot. Uh, if they kind of top out wherever they're at, which I don't know how much this is going to happen anymore because of this, the competitiveness now we have, the need for this, this skill set. But if they kind of top out wherever they're at, then all the other stuff's going to become really important because that's all there is. Uh, but as long as they keep finding ways to give them more money or more time off type stuff, uh, it, it's going to get tough to get people to move. What do you mean other other stuff? Vacation time or um, maybe school allowances, benefits, something that 
puts more money in their pocket or keeps their expendable income uh, and keeps it higher, or increases their expendable income, St- uh, stuff like that. I, I've often wondered a little bit about uh, the younger generation coming in, whatever gen we want to associate with it, kind of the left field type things where maybe the shop regularly and regularly could be quarterly or maybe even a couple times a year just shuts the shop down and takes them on a, you know, to go kart racing track or, you know, to some amusement park or something, just something you would see more so from more modern um, corporate like software companies is the first one that pops to mind where they do stuff like that. Uh, That might mean something to them, but for most of us, no. Yeah, Chris, your perspective on those kinds of team plays uh, important. I mean, we're I I'll never forget doing a whole bunch of interviews, and yeah, my the average age of my techs is like thirty two, and, and it's it's amazing how to your point, Matt, people want to be seen. They they you know they want to be always doing things with family, being out there, if you will, and that's that's a that's a way to feed that social thing. Well, I mean, I think they want to be they want to feel a part of something. Yeah. And they want to, um, I don't, it, maybe this is one of uh, Chris's talking points and I don't want to sound like I'm no, stealing it. Go ahead. Um, but you, it's something very, very important about giving somebody the ability to make a long-term plan. You know, you often hear it like the ability to make a 10-year plan, the ability to make a 15-year plan. That is really important regardless of generation. And I don't know that we necessarily think that way. In, in that exit interview, I think, they're not going to sit there and say, well, you don't give me the ability to make it my 10 year plan. You have to read between the lines. You got to check your ego. You got to, you know, shut your mouth, open your ears and listen, make notes, try to take everything. I think as face value, what they're telling you at that moment, and then step away from it for a while. Maybe you need a week, just kind of get away, come back to your notes and think about it and see if you can start reading between the lines because they may in a roundabout way basically said, I don't feel like I can make a 10 year plan here. I don't feel like I can make a 15 year plan here. Like, you know, the highs are really high, but the lows are really low. There's nothing I can uh, really feel solid with. That's why I'm leaving. I'm I'm actually going to make a little bit less money here, but I can count on it. Uh, Just making up a hypothetical I think it's a great point about before you get to the point where you learn in an exit interview that they didn't think their future was bright. Uh, you've never really talked to me about how much I could make. You've never really talked to me about any additional benefits you're looking at. You've never talked to me about my training resume. You've never yeah, exactly. blah, 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 blah. And that's something Chris said earlier is lack of training is another way of seeing future. Well, and so let's be honest, right? Like shop owners prioritize whatever's in the moment. And once they put that fire out, they're on to the next fire. And so what you have to remember is, is you have to talk to somebody about training and what their future is, but you can't wait for them to come to you with it. You have to you know, sit down for 30 minutes and, and be like, okay, what does the next six months look like for Matt? And then you have to sketch it out. And then you have to, you have to sit Matt down again and take that and show Matt and say, Matt, this is what I thought about your next six months of training. What do you think about this? And let them have their input into it, change it around as necessary and be like, okay, we're going to revisit this and, and we'll go through. And in four months, five months time, we'll see where we're at. And then we'll sketch out the next six months. And, and this is one of the things 
I think that the multi-unit shop owners have over one unit independence is it's easier to see the dream when you've got a shop owner that has two, three shops that's expanding to four or five and whatever. And, and I think even though it's a lateral move into another shop or what I would say would be a lateral move, a lot of people think that that's progress. Oh, I get to go to this other shop. Maybe it's the shinier shop. This is like the, like the flagship store or whatever. And, and I get to go there and be the, I hate this position, but I, I get to go there and be the shop foreman, or I get to go and do this or do that. So that's very interesting. Yeah. And to backtrack a little bit with what Carm said, and that when you finally hit the exit interview, maybe the point isn't so much try to get them to stay or if they're a good employee, the door is open. Like we'll welcome you back. Cause like Chris said there said, just said there, the grass looks really green from over here. And then they get over there and then they find out being a shop foreman sucks for them. They don't like it Uh, or whatever. The position isn't quite what they said. The numbers they shot me, they're not as attainable as they implied. They can feel comfortable saying, hey, you know, you still have a spot for me. You know, make them feel like they didn't burn a bridge either. You know, we don't want to burn a bridge. We don't want them to feel like they burnt the bridge either. Chris, have you ever been asked to do a a Zoom exit interview for a client? Uh, I've never done any exit interviews. I've done a lot of hiring interviews, but not an exit interview. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. I mean, to, to me, that just sounds strange that it, to me, it would be the opposite. Well, you would think so. But a lot of I guess we just never. And again, you know, how often do exit interviews get done? Like 10 percent of the time. So the so the chance to do an exit interview probably as it sits is like this big, where the chance to help in a hiring interview is this big. And um, I really like, you know, it's part of the process. We're talking about processes and procedures and where I don't want to get off topic. But, you know, some of the things that we do during hiring is to make small obstacles in your potential hires way to see if they pay attention to detail, if they listen, things like that. And so even before we bring in a service advisor or technician or somebody to actually see the owner, then we do it on a zoom call and then we record it that way. There's, there's never a, you said, I said at all. And then we make that recording part of the HR packet that we always keep. And then if somebody says, Oh, well, you didn't say that in the interview, you'd be like, Oh yeah. At minute four twenty-seven, I said exactly that. Or you said this, um, but you could do that with the exit interview. There's, there's no way. And I've never even thought of it, but um, you know, I've thought about other people doing it, but yeah, I'm P- particular as we've been talking about uh, the personality of the shop owner who may be Chris, you know, but <laughs> Listen, I don't want you to do the exit interview because we're going to want to improve your company based on what we find out. You would be the worst person at this stage of my relationship with you to do the exit interview. Would you let me do it? Right. And as, as a coach who's looking to improve the business, you know the vulnerability of, of the owner who was going to be doing it. He may not even want to do it, you know, having have an attitude. Um, may not. And I've done I've done exit phone interviews like several years ago because mainly because I knew there was a leadership issue and we'd lost several employees at this point. And I was trying to get down, I was trying to gather the information so I could have the heart to heart with the owner and be like, look, you suck. Here's why let's fix it. We all, we, you know, we have to identify our weaknesses and make them into strengths. And, and I, I did that. I gathered it. Like we had three employees leaving like less than a month and I'm like, we got to stop the bleeding and figure this out. Some people come off to me one way, right? 
to their coach and then their employees completely 180. So we had to get to the bottom of that. Angel devil. Oh yeah. Hmm. Maybe not those exact words, but something similar. Yeah. And and about the improvement, uh, you know, we think really nothing of asking our clients for a review after they have a service done here. And I know that's a lot more short term than actually working, but still you, we ask for the reviews and of course the four and the five star ones look great on our Google review page and our Facebook pages and all that. But really we're, we value the one stars, especially if they're legit one and two, three star reviews. I want to know where did we miss? What was it? You know, was it actually a quality of repair? Is it a process thing? Is it a communication thing? Whatever. We, this is how we're going to improve. It's hard to improve when somebody just keeps telling you you're perfect. Oh, you're perfect. That was great. Right. It was such a great experience. Oh. We learn from the one that says two stars. Like, yeah, you know what? The brake squeal went away, but. And then you can go back and rehash things going like, wow, we really blew it. And really our whole process is broken. It's funny. This is the first time we've been called out on it. It's gold. It's freaking gold. Well, it's the same thing with an exit interview. I have somebody leaving. They're whether they're upset or not, it doesn't matter. I guess we build up these hypotheticals for this discussion, but it doesn't matter. I need to know what you would do different. I really like how Chris said it much better than I did. On what if it was now your shop and you're in my position and I'm you? What would you do? Stuff like that. Just I, I find that data to be invaluable. Uh, we, we recently did an episode. It came out, I think it was early this week, uh, it was 474, 747, 747 with uh, Jimmy Lee from Kukui about Google reviews. And Google's not going to rank you if you get all fives. And they've changed their algorithm recently. They, they say there's no one that perfect. And if you don't have the occasional goof because we're human, then they may not rank you. No, it's not that they may not. They won't rank you. And then how you handle that one, two, three star customer but they do have a policy of you know if you've been you know if you will ghosted by 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 someone who's just out there you know trying to yank you and speaking of ghosting guys and again i'm going to go down a rabbit hole even though we're talking about exit interviews (laughs) i I come to you chris or matt and i said listen um it's been nice Uh, love spending the last five years here but um i got an offer from uh, from down the road and and i'm out of here and so the guy who's he's going to uh, is all excited and it's two weeks because <laughs> this has happened to me so often and you're excited and you're planning and you can't wait. It's Friday and you're going home. You got a new person starting Monday and you get a text on Saturday morning. that says, I'm not coming. And so here's my point that Friday, the exit interview should have been done at the shop. The person's leaving at, which is why I asked, is it possible that in the exit interview, you could save that job? And so where, where do you think, where do you think the timing is when, when other guys are getting ghosted? I think that decision was made. Like you made the offer. They accepted the offer the next day or that Friday, they went in and told their shop owner that they were leaving. And then the guy, immediately throws money at them then. And then they knew in that moment that they weren't coming back to you. But for whatever reason, you know, I I haven't had a week in two years, like every week where I haven't had one shop owner say, Hey, I got ghosted by this or got ghosted by that. But anyway, that person knows probably a week and a half in advance that they're not coming. 
But I would say if you got like a text on a Saturday at this point, that that would be awesome. At least you knew one day before instead of like on Monday, like, like I've, you know, we've got people all the time that just, you know, you think you have great interviews with them. You talk to them, you show them the pay plan. They're like, yes, I'm coming and nothing. I'd love to be able to fix that. Like if, like if I could figure out a way to fix that and share it with everybody, I'd, that's all I have to do the rest of my life is, is teach out, teach people how to um, stop getting ghosted. The whole thing's crazy to me. Yeah. It's crazy. And I just think it's almost fodder for it's in an episode all by itself, because I think there's a lot of nuance going on different reasons. They do it. I think sometimes it's ego. I think sometimes it's just fear. Sometimes it's, they, they kind of got that response they wanted. You know, going in and asking for a raise with no threat, they didn't get it. Now they got the threat. Now they have the upper hand. They feel like they have a little more control. I think that's a great point. I think most people are too scared to go in and ask for a raise. And so it's easier for them to find another job and then threaten to quit and get a raise that way than it is to actually go into Carm's office and be like, look, man, gas prices are up. Everything's up. I'm working 40 hours a week. I'm billing 50 hours a week. Can you help me out? Most of the shops that watch these things or go or are in our sphere of influence are really great operators. And hopefully most of them have raised their labor rate this year and passed most or some of that on to the all the employees to, to you know, hey, things are going up. I understand. Here you go. So someone leaves, uh, they, uh, they're out of here. Um, you throw some money at them. They're still not sure they didn't, they, they would have rather gotten it from you without having to threaten to leave. And, but then all of a sudden you recognize, eh, we may have a few problems going on inside the business, the culture, the team, the communication. So you start busting your hump rooney to fix it. And all of a sudden you're showing that individual that just that little discussion and fact that I'm leaving uh, why should I leave something that looks like it's turning around? Matt, have you have you experienced the fact that you knew there was something way before the exit interview it was just that your gut was telling you something wasn't right. So you decide to really try to work on it because you, you sure don't want to have a mass exit. Exit. What do you think the new owner is going to say? Is there anybody at the, sh- the other back at your old shop who'd love to come to work here? Right? I mean, that, that's always another big threat. Yeah. And my position, especially I think because I'm very much involved in the shop and it's, I don't want to employ a hundred percent. Uh, but I'm pretty lucky that the guys, uh, techs, employees, everybody, um, they do come to me with stuff. And I think I, I want to believe it's because I try to listen. If there's a response, I can make the logical response. Not so much to say, well, you're wrong, but this is why this is this way and uh, feel better about it. But then if they bring up a good point, something's done as fast as possible, as fast as reasonably possible. Got it. Like uh, you said something much, much earlier about that, you know, any stories. I mean, I think that would be the story is stuff was headed off early and that they feel like they have a legitimate issue. And I, we figure out, is it a legitimate issue? And if it isn't what to do about it. And if it is, we do something about it. Uh, and that heads it off. It, it doesn't get to the exit interview. So I've, I've got something. I, I just had this thought. Like, like I, usually I get one great idea a month. It took me till the 27th to have this. So I got to share it real quick. So, so my original thought was 
if you have somebody that has one foot out the door and was looking for another job and left, do you want that person to, to, to then turn and come back and stay with you? But I almost think at that point, we need to have a re-entry interview to be like, okay, now in order for you to come back and stay, you need to tell me all the reasons why you wanted to leave and you were looking for, for jobs. Oh, I love that. Like our thing in the industry has always been like if Matt and I were across the street from each other or across town from each other and he had a, an employee that came to me looking for work, Matt screwed up whatever it was and this person's out looking for work and they're going to go get a job somewhere else anyway, so it might as well be for me. So if Matt is able to turn that around and actually keep that employee, he's got to sit down with that employee and be like, what made you put the one foot out the door to begin with? I love it. A re-entry interview. It's brilliant. Something. I don't <laughs> want to know what it's like to have a good idea. That's I, I get I get one a month. It, usually what happens to me is I waste it on the second or third day of the month, but this has been pretty. So I got, you know, the 27th. I'm going to give you a reward. You take Monday off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll still be working because I got to get you a bunch more podcasts yeah. in, the, in the book. So <laughs> yeah, we're, be. We're, we're so busy traveling. We need to, we need to get them up and get them out. Hey yeah. guys, uh, as, as I always say, almost at, at the end of every show, these, these go places I never expect to go because we have such great guests and we're also passionate about helping the industry to advance the aftermarket. So you got a couple of seconds for a closing thought. Yeah, go ahead. So I'm thinking about this. Uh, A lot of times we hear numbers don't lie. Well, they don't lie, but they also don't tell the truth. So if we talk about statistics, there's something called the Simpsons paradox that kind of addresses this. And I think the exit interview is what allows you to give numbers context so that they don't lie. I mean, that's worthy of an hour discussion. You just can't leave. You can't leave us with this. (laughs) I think it's a strong argument for the exit interview is... Your numbers, they don't lie, but they don't necessarily tell the truth without context. Context is very, very important. Yeah. And when everything's going good, the numbers look good, but it might not be so good. The exit interview, that interview can give you context to those numbers. And two, you know, numbers are unemotional. Numbers don't have any emotional input at all, but you, do, you don't have an employee that doesn't have some sort of an emotional I don't want to say issue, but there's some sort of emotion there behind all kinds of stuff. Interesting. That's a great thought. It's a great final thought. <sighs> Nothing like uh, Matt Albert Einstein. It, it wasn't mine. Though. Chris messaged it to me and I just read it. <laughs> That's not He's true. had two good ideas in <laughs> a month. All right, guys. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Exit interviews. Good, 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 uh, good episode. Thank you. Coach Chris Cotton, thanks for being here from... AutoFix Auto Shop Coaching and the Weekly Blitz Podcast. And Matt Fonslow, Shop Manager, Lead Diagnostician, Riverside Automotive, Redwing, Red yeah, Red Minnesota. And then Matt Fonslow, Diagnosing the Aftermarket Podcast, A to Z on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Thank you. Thank you. Be safe, everybody. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time... 